we've got the Sandia Mountain. Um, it's the big mountain right outside of Albuquerque, and that stretches south into the Manzanos. And okay. uh, Sa Sandia Mountain, it's uh, it's like 10,000 feet in elevation. It averages 22 inches of snow a year. And, um, you know, a lot of people go there to recreate. There is um, a ski resort on the backside of the mountain. There's great trails. And, you know, like, why not help facilitate other people getting outdoors? And that was really what sure. it's all about. Hi, I'm Reed Singh, and this is Adventure Travel with Troop Outside, a podcast where we interview adventurers, local guides, and outdoor industry experts to uncover the best travel spots and human-powered adventures from around the globe. Before we jump in, I have a quick favor to ask you, that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It would truly mean a lot. Thank you, uh, Corey, for joining us and welcome MST Adventures in New Mexico. Uh, we're so excited to have you guys on, not only on the podcast, but on Trip Outside, because we did not have a great reach in uh, New Mexico before. And most of it is because we initially found all these places during our travels that we added to Trip Outside. Now, within the last year, we're actually doing more outreach in places we want to be, the best outdoor destinations. And selfishly, we are going to end up in New Mexico for this winter and most of it. So this is a great moment for me to get a checklist of all the outdoor amazing things to do, uh, not just for this winter, but uh, you know, for uh, summer, spring, whatever the best times of the year are. So thank you for taking your time to jump on. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Thanks for having me, I appreciate it. Yeah, first thing you guys started five years ago, what's it like to um, take that idea of inspiration of wanting to get in the outdoor business, you wanna take people snowshoeing, like where did this uh, concept start from? What, who, who is the mind behind it? And what did that first couple of years look like for you? Yeah, so um, we started the business in 2016 and we started serving customers. It was like late 2016 and we started serving customers the January of uh, 2017. And uh, what it kind of, how it kind of came to be was at that time I was um, guiding um, paddling trips, teaching whitewater classes, uh, flatwater trips with uh, another company and it came to the, be the end of the season. And I was like, what, what do you guys do in the winter? Cause I was a recent transplant to New Mexico. And they were like, uh, we don't, we don't really do anything. And that kind of surprised me. Sure. And where were you so, from? Where'd you uh, move from? I, from Ohio, from the okay. Midwest. I had lived on Lake Erie for 11 years prior to moving. And um, so, you know, I, we came out here and I just thought like, you know, what a great place to continue working in the outdoors. So then um, you decided snowshoeing was the first first board to enter into because now you offer a ton of different adventures. Yeah, yeah. So um, in that crazy off time, I started working for uh, the local big box store, better known as REI. And sure. I was like, boy, you guys don't rent gear. That's kind of crazy. So that's what spurred my idea. And so that's why I started with snowshoes. You know, I just was like saving checks and, and we bought 18 pairs of snowshoes 
and uh, we started doing day rentals. We've got the Sandia Mountain. Um, it's the big mountain right outside of Albuquerque, and that stretches south into the Manzanos. And okay. uh, Sa Sandia Mountain, it's uh, it's like 10,000 feet in elevation. It averages 22 inches of snow a year. And, um, you know, a lot of people go there to recreate. There is um, a ski resort on the backside of the mountain. There's great trails. And, you know, like, why not help facilitate other people getting outdoors? And that was really what sure. it's all about. You know, my... And that's the one that's right off... Sorry, can you... Uh, right east of... That's um, correct. Albuquerque then? Yeah, that's south. correct. Okay. That, yeah, no, that's correct. It's directly east of Albuquerque. That, I'm looking at the maps, actually. That is so close. Like, you're... The town... The city is just tucked in right below the mountains. That's super convenient. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a short drive. You know, it's uh, 45 minutes if you drive around to go up the backside of the mountain. Um, there's a tram here that if you want to hike or ski, you can take to the top. And that's about uh, 10 to 12 minutes, I think the trip is. Okay. Um, so, you know, like there's, it, it's very accessible uh, to people. And, you know, we, again, we're just wanting to help facilitate getting people outdoors. You know, my you know, a, a short, you know, snippet of my history is, you know, I've always been involved in the outdoors. I was a park ranger for uh, quite some time, you know, and different parks. It, well, yeah, I worked for a metropolitan park district in Ohio and I worked for okay. a couple of, but only uh, one district as a ranger, other, other areas as um, land stewards or seasonal help. And I just like the idea of getting people out, getting them educated, and just showing them, you know, that there's more to do than play Nintendo, um, you know, because that's just that's just how I was brought up, and so and the value of it, um, yeah. you know, what you get out of being active. It's not just the workout. It's not just being in nature and clean air. It's all of those things combined, and what it does to your physical and mental health, um, right? And how affordable it is too. Like you could go out there for a five-hour hike and spend zero dollars, right? But Correct. If you're sitting around bored, you're going to find a way to spend money, whether it's online or go shopping or whatever it is. Um, we, yeah. I love, I love that because we have a shared mission in that. Just getting people to, you know, get outside and responsibly, and don't go ruin, um, you know, trails. To, there's so many things that we can we can get into the environmental impact, but doing it responsibly, but doing it to appreciate so we can preserve it and grow our outdoor areas. Absolutely. You know, ab absolutely. We, we wouldn't have all the public land we do in the United States if it wasn't for, you know, people ahead of us looking at it, wanting to preserve it, set it aside. And I think, you know, we need to celebrate that. We need to use it. We need to use it responsibly. And, you know, if you don't know how to use it, like that's where we come in. You know, we offer a lot of interpretive tours. We offer educational components. Um, to help get you out and get you out safely as you know, and we're not the only business that does this in the country, right? You know, w there's a lot of people around the country that do this. And um, I think it's great. You know, we're, we're like that first line of contact for folks a lot of times coming out. Right. So we've got a winter coming up. Um, you know, I think there's been a movement to try to explore on uh, under, underrated places in general to us, New Mexico as a state in general is that, but 
I feel like people are going to take more road trips, get outside and explore new things. If this was, uh, regardless if it was a pandemic year or not, but what are, what are like top five things that somebody could look forward to in a road trip or trip to New Mexico? What would you, uh, what would you recommend if you only had five days, what would you uh, go out there and explore knowing everything you know now? Yeah, definitely. If I had five days, um, New Mexico is very, very rich in culture. And so the, I would definitely hit Chaco, um, which is, it's like Northwest of Albuquerque. Um, and it is just, it's, so it's like, um, full, it's got some, uh, ancient Pueblo and ruins up there. Um, and it has a lot of great Southwest, uh, culture. So you have to hit, um, Chaco and, uh, other really awesome places in the Northern part of the States would be uh, Bandelier national monument, which is outside of Santa Fe. Okay. It's a, it's a national monument that if you have the time you need to spend like a two days there because some of the beauty comes within not being able to day hike. And, um, because you can't get to the Rio Grande and see what it really is without a lot, like it would be a really long day hike. I mean, if you're in great shape and you're a hard charger, you could do it. Sure. Um, but you know, that's what it would be is this long mission driven event. Um, and then right down, what's the closest town there? The closest, uh, to Bandelier national monument would be Los Alamos. Okay. And then, um, you know, there's a very unique place, literally another 20 minutes down the road from there. And that is the Valle Caldera National Preserve. It's run by the National Park Service. And when you get back in there, it's very much, um, it will make you think that you're standing in the middle of Yellowstone. Um, and just because it's grasslands, you're in this giant caldera. Uh, I was up there doing a 30 mile uh, gravel ride this fall during leaf uh, change. And it was just like rich and beautiful color. And it was, you know, you have elk that are bugling that time of year in the fall, you know, and the colors are changing. You've got the grasslands. It it literally made me feel like I was in Yellowstone. Get out. That's amazing. And this is cool. This is how far west? Uh, that is the Valle Caldera is just North of Albuquerque, about 45 minutes. So okay. it's uh, outside of Jemez, uh, Springs. Okay. I'm going along on Google maps trying to, uh, Yeah. oh, I so, see it. Okay. Yes, sir. Jemez Springs. Is there, is there hot springs there? There are some hot springs there. So, oh, nice. um, okay. so yep. You're right on the Valle Caldera okay. and, there's some very popular hot springs that in the wintertime, it's a five mile snowshoe or cross country ski in. And those are San Antonio hot springs. They range about okay. 92 to 96 degrees. So they're not super hot. Um, sure. But when I've gone in there in the wintertime, like it's very comfortable to go in and, um, you know, wear your swimsuit and just hang out for a while and relax. Um, that sounds amazing. It's and the, the value of like hiking in and finding it. And especially in the winter, if you're snowshoeing in yeah, uh, and sitting in the hot springs, that 
is, is done on our list. I'm going to come by. We're going to grab some snowshoes from you. And we're going to head sure up thing. There. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'm a fan of Dawn Patrol. Uh, I like to beat the masses. I like to, you know, get in there, get the workout done. And then as people start showing up, that's when I like to, you know, pack up my gear and head back out. And that's, that's a wonderful place to do that. Awesome. Um, Dawn Patrol. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, well, so go ahead. What about Santa Fe and Taos? Like you probably get most, I would say winter travel uh, yeah. to New Mexico. Most people are going to Taos yep. skiing. Um, so imagine like you got five days and you only want to ski for, you know, two or three days, or you have people in a group that don't ski. Yeah. What are some things around Taos or, or that area that, uh, yeah. Explore? So, okay. So where your mouse cursor is, um, yeah. you can see Taos ski Valley if you move it towards the one o'clock position and then yep. you see the ring of road that goes around it. And that's right. called the enchanted circle. Okay. Um, along the enchanted circle is a lot of really wonderful things to do. You can ski in Taos, but you can also ski in Angel Fire, Red River, okay. and Cuesta. Now, if, if I'm a downhill skier and, you know, I want to go hit the slopes at Taos Ski Valley and my wife wants to cross country ski, um, one of the places that I suggest is over near Cuesta and okay. that's called the Enchanted Forest. And they have groomed right cross-country ski trails. Okay. And the gal who runs that place is just, um, she's a very, very wonderful lady and has a really awesome thing. You can ski, you can snowshoe, you can rent a yurt uh, and, and go ahead and stay there. It's just the experience is very family-oriented. And I really like sure. that. You know, and from Cuesta uh, to Taos is probably drivable. So you could stay in Cuesta in the yurt and still hit the Taos Ski, Taos ski Valley. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You definitely can. Being that Taos Ski Valley is in um, the Sangre de Cristos there, you know, it's, it's like a 45 minute drive up the valley. Because you got to go up 230 there. And one, okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. There's okay. only one way in. Now, if you're there in the summertime, there's really magnificent hiking along um, the Wheeler Peak Wilderness area. There's great okay. backpacking. I mean, you can have an experience. So like the experience you can have is super high quality. Um, most people only go a short distance. So, sure. um, you know, they do that five miles and back kind of deal. Uh, right. One of the trips my wife and I did this summer um, when we had um, a weekend was we backpacked to Williams Lake. We backpacked the paddleboard in, inflated it, paddleboarded around Williams Lake. We we're, you know, the only people to do that. And then we mm -hmm. hiked to the top of Wheeler Peak. And on that hike, we saw everything from, uh, from grouse to bighorn sheep, um, you know, to deer. You know, the, the, the nature experience is so nice. And, um, and that's a, a wonderful thing to do. And that's Eagles interesting because, sorry, all ahead. the animals that you called off, you've talked about elk and bighorn sheep mm -hmm. these are things that i just never really yeah um thought about before because i just assume you know just like my ignorance of new mexico it's like arizona or texas or deserty but yeah when, I, when you when you look even a few minutes closer and talking to you learning about all the ten thousand peaks ten thousand foot peaks and mountains and of course all the amazing wildlife that comes along with it is there that's amazing that's um 
Julie yeah. is is huge into just not just exploring the place, but seeing all the wildlife. So yeah, well then the, I've I've got it for you, right? So once you hit Albuquerque and you're going south, um, you if you want to see animals, you have to go through the Gila National Forest and Gila Wilderness Area, and okay. it is a humongous area that you can see all kinds of elk. I mean, like the elk there are, they're, they are super thick. If you're there in the fall, September, October, you're gonna hear and see elk. Um, they're all over the place. That's when their rut starts. Um, you know, it's, That's, it's a wonderful place. How do you spell Gila? Uh, oh, it's G-I-L-A, -I okay. Yes, sir. That's in Silver City, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, well, it stretches to Silver City. So, okay. you know, absolutely. And the, you know, if you want to see uh, some places that are, you know, small towns, you know, like 13 people, you know, your drive in wow. there is awesome. The backpacking is awesome. Um, you know, you're looking at places like Winston, Chloride, you know, Silver City is a big place there. Okay. Um, and it, it's the drive is beautiful. You know, I was recently talking to a gal uh, who writes uh, for a couple of magazines and she really likes motorcycling. And I was explaining the, the drive from Silver City uh, over to um, Elephant Butte on a motorcycle would be just phenomenal, you know, because it's okay. a slow winding road through the national forest and the, the eco change is just, it's phenomenal, you know, and uh, other How's great the camping is there blm and yeah it's uh, all national forests so there's some national forest campgrounds when you look great. at silver city and you go um, north uh you'll see uh route 15 route 15 yep. will take you north to the gila cliff dwellings and there's some camping located very near there there's awesome. also some additional hot springs called the jordan hot springs that are a popular place to hike to okay. and in the spring of the year that's where a lot of folks um will uh do they'll you know they'll raft uh the gila river when it's running now like okay. this is february march um time frame and it's just this small river that only really runs by uh snow melt it's slated it. for national uh scenic wild river um designation uh, we're really hoping that 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 goes through uh, so that's just another really great bonus to it. And, wow, uh, man, there is so much. So we've yeah. got um, we've got snowshoeing covered a little bit. Obviously, we got skiing, cross country skiing spots. So summer or spring and fall. Uh, yeah. What are the if you've got summer trip? We've got road trips kind of uh, talked about here. If you're coming, what's the best time to visit the area in general? Obviously, you get if it's hot, you could probably escape to the mountains, and it's nice. Yes. But if you wanted consistently, you know, good temperature, uh, and you're planning a trip, you know, six months in advance, what's the time of year to come visit? Is it around the balloon festival or is that yeah. too crowded? Well, the balloon fiesta can be pretty busy if you're down on balloon fiesta field, but there's a multitude of ways to experience balloon mm -hmm. fiesta in Albuquerque. Um, I personally really enjoy, um, like, the end of September. So like that last week of September through, you know, December, I think our weather is, is wonderful. 
Uh, it's a great okay. time. The temperature is good. Um, we do see a lot of wind during that time, not like every day, but you know, there are days when the wind speed picks up because storms are blowing through. Um, sure. but the overall temperature is nice. You get color change. So you see the changes, um, from the golds, the yellows, um, and the greens, um, you know, that change, it's really nice. Another wonderful place to visit. If you're here anytime from, like October to um, the first part of April is this National Wildlife Refuge that's right on I-25. It's Sevelta. And then there is um, a couple of others that are along the way. And okay. they have traditionally what's called the Festival of Cranes. We get, we're in the Rio Grande Flyway. And so we see um, a lot of the, the migrating waterfowl come through the Rio Grande Valley in the fall. And okay. we have seen this year, uh, so far we have recorded sandhill cranes that have left the east northeastern edge of Russia and are now overwintering in New Mexico. Wow. That's it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And you know, sandhill cranes, they stand like four and a half, five feet tall. I, yeah. I'm going to give you rough estimates here. They have like a six foot wingspan and they have this noise that is so prehistoric. It's amazing. Um, How long is that journey? It's, it's a long ways, thousands of miles. Um, let me, I, I can try to pull that up. I just recently. No, how often do they do it? Is this every year that you see that? Yeah, they do it in the fall obviously? and they do it in the spring. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was a silly question. Of course. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's not a couple year journey. Well, that's, that's amazing. Um, Sandhill cranes. They're, um, they're the, I'm trying to visualize what they look like. Wow. They're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. They're a tall bird. You know, they've got long Massive. legs. Like it's a, like a tiny bird. ostrich. Uh, yeah. 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 In a way. Yeah. In a way. <laughs> um, it's, you know, they're just super unique and they come in huge flocks, you know, that you can, for me, when we do our fall color tours and we're paddle boarding down the river, like it's not uncommon for me to be mid sentence, hear them in the sky, just kind of like lose all train of thought and then just start staring at the sky until I can find the flock. Um, wow. Because, you know, you'll hear them before you see them. And oftentimes they're really, really high in the spring. Yeah. You often see them as they rise out of the agricultural fields and they circle their way up, um, you know, and it's just, the wildlife here is, is amazing. And I think Julie, you know, is on the right track. You know, you can bike, you can do other action sports, but taking a minute to see the wildlife really makes an area in, in my opinion. And, you know, yeah, I just get really excited about it. She's, uh, she's inspired me too, because it doesn't have to be a or it could it doesn't have to be mountain biking or seeing wildlife it could be and if you just take yeah. a minute to pause and reflect and like just be even silent for a little bit the amount of uh little things you'll notice and you're still getting your adventure um, right and, and i've started doing this more on mountain biking trips where i'll just take a minute pause take a break at a scenic overlook and just take the area in for a bit before just kind of bombing down or keep going and um, I feel like that's the way to really explore is to, you know, take a pause. Right. Um, or just, you know, have that 
uh, eye open or ears open, listening for some of those other things, possibly instead of, you know, playing music down the river, which is fine, but the value of seeing something that you're not going to see anywhere else is going to stay with you for a while. And that's, some, you know, that's, it's rare and it's yeah. unique to that area. So that is huge. Uh, I want to take this paddleboard trip with the balloons in the background floating away. So when should I come take this trip? If yeah. I was looking at your website and this is just a gorgeous scenery. So you've got balloons flying off in the background and you're paddling down this beautiful river. Where is this and what time of year should we plan around that? Yeah, so uh, 2021 Balloon Fiesta is scheduled for October 2nd through October the okay. 10th. And um, so that's the time frame you need to be in New Mexico for this. Now, we see balloons every day of the year, but it's during those nine days that we see them like this. And that's, of because of, Got it. It, and that's because of where they launch, um, and which is Balloon Fiesta Park. Following the Rio Grande as we paddle down, like it lines us up, like in this photo that you're, you're sharing here, um, it lines us up really, really well with seeing them uh, come up from Balloon Fiesta Field. Okay. So Amazing. So um, if we're talking about paddleboarding, so for those that have never done it i think there's only a few people left that are in the outdoor recreation world already that haven't done it because it's so fun but if you haven't tried it how hard is it can a first person uh, first timer come out there and take a paddleboard trip or is this something that you already need to be um uh, familiar with before you come out and take a trip with mst yeah that's a great question Ree. um you don't need any experience to come out with us um you know I've had folks as young as seven on their own paddleboard and paddling proficiently. And I've had folks as old as uh, 73 on the paddleboard, never experienced the river on a paddleboard before and paddling proficiently uh, by the end of the trip. Incredible. We pride ourselves in taking the time that's necessary to make you feel comfortable, providing you with expert um, uh, American Canoe Association certified instruction, as well as sharing personal experiences and a variety of tips and tricks to make you feel comfortable. Now, that being said, not everybody feels comfortable standing right away, and that's totally okay. You can stand up on a paddleboard, you can kneel on it, you can sit crisscross uh, applesauce, as the kids call it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, if, if you have mobility impairment, uh, we have the ability to, you know, even fix like a, a cooler to the paddleboard so you can have an item to sit on. And awesome. my, my goal is just to get you out and, and help you experience things. You know, yeah. there are folks that, you know, have come to me and said, Hey, you know, I have this medical condition, things aren't looking great, but I really want to do this. And, you know, I'm happy to go and help them as much as possible. And if that means I, I hook a tether to their board and I assist them paddling down the river, that's what I'm going to do. You know, that's just how strongly I feel about getting, getting folks out. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, that there's the barriers uh, don't have to stop you. There's ways around. You just have to ask and want to try. Um, and obviously you can't do that with every single sport paddleboarding, the views that it provides you and the, the experience is truly unique. That's correct. Um, so go out there and try it, folks. And um, jumping 
back into skiing and snowshoeing. One of the things that we started doing was snowshoeing and we actually bought some snowshoes. So for those that don't know what snowshoeing is, um, do you mind, you know, I call it hiking in the snow. Yeah. But there's more to that. What are some of the are there different types of snowshoes? Is there like an all-terrain snowshoe that, you know, somebody could come rent and then doesn't matter where they go, they could have a good experience? How hard is it? What are some of the things to look out for? Is there avalanche danger or any of those things? Yeah. So um, I'll touch on the on the danger side real fast. We'll get the, the scary thing knocked out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, in many places that are mountainous, you have to be concerned about avalanche danger and snow loading on slopes. In the greater Albuquerque area, we don't necessarily have to worry about it because we don't have the volume of snow um, to warrant those kinds of conditions. And on Sandia Mountain, where we do our guided tours, there is a, it's full of trees. And so we don't have the long runways for slides to happen. Now, going north to uh, the Taos area, that you have to pay attention to that. Being okay. north, um, you know, uh, up around Santa Fe, you definitely have to worry about that in places. Um, okay. But that shouldn't be a barrier to entry because there's plenty of places that have mild terrain changes that you can uh, snowshoe. And the best so, thing to do is probably check in with the offer or ask yeah, someone that actually knows, check the conditions before you make it. Absolutely. 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 And um, that's something that I encourage a lot of people to do is just call me. I, I love the talk. I love to share what I know with you. So you have the best experience for you. And if that's just, you know, saying, hey, you know, La Luz Trail is really icy right now. I suggest you taking micro spikes in addition to snowshoes. Like, you know, I want you to have the best trip possible. So Uh, To get back to your question, what are snowshoes? Most people know snowshoes as the wooden frame with the webbing on the bottom, you know, that's like old timey. It's got like sinew uh, or leather that goes underneath your foot. And there's uh, a binding that holds your boot uh, kind of from the like the mountaineer days. Uh, Snowshoes have evolved quite a bit since then. There's several different styles and varieties. Uh, what you see now is usually some form of uh, metal frame with a type of a vinyl trampoline that your foot would sit on and a binding system to attach your, your boot or your shoe to it and with some type of traction device on the bottom. We use snowshoes from a company called MSR, which is uh, Mountain Safety Research, and they are all uh, plastic decks. They have uh, lateral traction devices we use the MSO, MSR EVOs, and uh, that's the particular model. So that'd be the red ones there on the left. Sure. Okay. And, uh, you know, they have traction devices for lateral movement. They have a crampon that's attached to the foot binding that help you climb up. That's um, built in. Cool. Yeah. And the EVO Ascents, which we also carry, they have what's called a climbing bar. And that, excuse me, that comes up from the back of the deck. And that raises your heel. So if you are on a prolonged incline, uh, your foot can rest on it. And it helps you with uh, like how much strain is on your calf. So if you are using those climbing bars on flat ground, it'd feel like you're on a pair of high heels. But once you have a little bit of elevation, it feels really comfortable because your foot is now level. These, uh, These decks are like almost indestructible. And it's what a variety of outfitters uh, carry to rent. Uh, just because of the the simplicity as well as the indestructible nature of the product. Got it. And um, 
do you what what's uh outfit like if i'm showing up and i want to go snowshoeing what should i wear outside right, of just yeah. the shoes probably hiking boots are probably recommended um, yeah we, we recommend think about yeah we recommend a, a waterproof uh hiking shoe um or boots you know that's fine mm -hmm. if you're just doing short hikes you know you can get by with tennis shoes um you know but we recommend a a, a waterproof shoe if possible sure you know a nice uh a wool sock or uh you know something that's not cotton for your feet because uh, you do tend to get some snow in the tops of your shoes if you have access to gaiters which is like a piece of material that goes around the top of your shoes and seals it off and essentially makes mm -hmm. your shoes taller uh, that's really good to wear i strongly recommend against wearing blue jeans uh, because the cotton fabric will wick moisture as you're moving uh, your body heat will melt the snow as it touches your pants and and rests there so you can just get colder uh, really fast so um you know a lot of folks will wear ski pants you can wear uh rain pants over top of clothes you know that you sure. know if if you don't have all the tech gear it doesn't mean you can't go right. and that's right. the biggest just... thing that i want folks to know like there's days when I have my kids, which are really little, and I know they're going to be outside for like 20 minutes. I'm going to go in my blue jeans. I'm not going to take 30 minutes and put on all my high speed gear. You know, I'm just going to go and have fun and come back in. And then if I change my clothes, so be it. So you can wear rain pants over top, you know, if it's what you have, you know, affordability is the name of the game. You that know, is such an important point. I feel like in every sport, you know, we get this question all the time is, Hey, what kind of hiking boots do you use? Like, well, it depends on what you're doing. Like, don't let yeah. a lack of hiking boots keep you from hiking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, absolutely. get out there and see what you're where you're going, see what you missed. Uh, what did your feet get wet? Well, next time maybe that's more important to you than traction. Or depending on yeah. where you are, maybe there's slippery rock or are you carrying a big pack? But you know, just get started, go out there and then adjust. Um, but don't let analysis paralysis keep you from getting outside. I love that message for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many options, you know, right. of things that um, a person could use with great success. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I root, there's a older fellow that I pass on occasion when I'm hiking here and he, he's a poncho guy. He loves wearing a poncho if it's rainy or misty. Whereas like, you don't see the poncho being advertised in outdoor stores, you know, cause they're trying yeah. to sell that two piece Gore-Tex um, fabric um, waterproof jacket and pant combination or bibs. But sometimes keeping it simple um, is all that you need to have a good experience. And for you to learn what is it that you like or dislike about gear. And right. that's, yeah, that's, that's a great message for, for anybody to take the heart, you know, you just got to get out and do it and you'll learn from there. And start small. If you're not sure, you don't have to take on that big, um, 40 mile hike to get into hiking. Right. Absolutely. You know, you know, start early, uh, get out there, get back and say, okay, that felt good. And then go up from there. And, Absolutely. You know, I, and I'm, I'm really just speaking to myself sometimes when I'm trying to get into new sports or thinking about doing an adventure. I'm seeking uh, a big adventure <laughs> in my head sometimes. But really, yeah. the small incremental adventures are just as fun. They're easier to get into. And the more often you do it, uh, I feel like overthinking can lead to underachieving and, and you know, just being outside more. So 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. So there, there's a, there. there's this wonderful example of this uh, in a book by Bill Bryson called A Walk in the Woods and in which he wants to hike the Appalachian Trail. He buys all the cool gear and all the camp cooking stuff and he gets like two miles down the trail and quickly realizes he doesn't need like this, that and the other thing. And he is having a moment. And as he describes it in the book, he's like chucking pots and pans down the hill. <laughs> uh, I'm not advocating to litter. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is like in that moment, he realized how oversold on gear he was and what right. he actually needed. And um, yeah, the kiss method is often best, which is yeah. Good. Well, that's uh, to your point about littering, we're making a little quick transition. I feel like there's a uh, huge push for the outdoor recreation market now, and that's an yeah. amazing thing. But along with that comes a lot of responsibility and making sure that we're recreating responsibly. What are some of your personal um, things that you try to educate on or what are some of the things that you see as concerns out there when you're recreating that you'd like to share with people uh, that we make sure that we recreate responsibly. Right. And, and local environmental impact too, specific to uh, New Mexico area. Yeah. Um, so I would say my number one pet peeve that I see that I'd like more people to be aware of is um, restroom litter. And I don't mean walking into the restroom and seeing a square of toilet paper on the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, what I'm saying is people who have found themselves in the woods and have to relieve themselves. Um, we like to educate folks on leaving no trace. Um, you, can, you can Google leave no trace. You can get a basic education from them. Um, there's seminars you can go to. Um, on how to leave no trace of efficiently in the woods. But the biggest thing that I would like to say is no matter where you're going, um, if you don't have kids, um, I, I want to say this because as I, as my kids are of that learning to potty age, like there is a lot of extra things I take with me so that they're successful. And I think parents know this, but sometimes often need to be reminded. We need to take two Ziploc bags with us when we're in the woods. And one of those Ziploc bags has got some toilet paper in it. And the other Ziploc bag is for used and dirty toilet paper. Um, there are wag bags you can purchase just like the bag you would take for your dog. Um, mm -hmm. And they could be bags from your local grocery store. Um, and you need to pick up and carry uh, your waste back home with you. In the desert Southwest, we don't get enough rain to efficiently break it down. And so that it like would quote unquote, disappear like uh, sure. other places in the world. And um, if you're not carrying a shovel with you uh, to dig a, what's, you know, like a cat pit or a little hole for you to, to use and put your waste in, um, it's going to be there on the surface for a long, long time. And, you know, we often see that uh, topped, you know, with a little snowy roof from people's toilet paper because they just mm -hmm. haven't prepared enough. And so, you know, um, recently my niece had a really awesome outdoor experience where she spent, you know, a, a nine days in the wilderness. And I, I said, here, here's what I think you should take. And here's a little garden shovel. Here's, you know, two Ziplocs. Here's um, some hand sanitizer. And, you know, you can use the shovel to dig a cat pit. You can use the shovel to put the waste 
into the Ziploc, you know, and then dispose of it when you get home, things like that. Uh, raft, the rafting community, you know, has always uh, been following this quite well. Um, right. Because so many rivers. Let's go in the so West, close to the river. Yeah. And we've been packing yeah. groovers with us for years. And right. a groover is a porta potty that we take with us and we take to the, the, you know, the dump station and we, you know, dispose of all human waste there. That's the biggest thing that I'd, I'd like people to take away. In the times of COVID, we have seen an increase in outdoor recreation that is unlike any other time um, that I can think of. Um, right. And one of the earlier concerns was for, you know, toilet paper and being able to stock and safely sanitize pit toilets, uh, porta potties and things like that. And so a lot of forest managers, they just closed them up because they didn't know what to do. We're lucky that we've seen them reopen, but the, the environmental impacts from that short period of time are, are great. And if more folks pack their, their, their trash in and pack their trash out, um, you'll have a better appreciation when you go to a pristine piece of wilderness and see, uh, and see it clean. Um, yeah. But on do top it of selfishly, that, because, yeah, I, I think it's the misconception of packing your waste out seems gross, but what's truly gross does. is if you're hiking and you're stepping in somebody else's or yeah. your future, uh, your own and that toilet paper snow cap analogy is so funny. <laughs> we see it all the time, but you know, yeah think about it that maybe somebody else will have to go clean that up after you. There's, you know, it's just there, you wouldn't want to do that for anybody else. Please just think about it. And those things happen as an emergency. Nobody wants to actually take uh, a bathroom break in the woods if you don't have to, but when you have to just know that, um, you know, yeah. the, the, the little bit of early preparation could really save you a lot down the road. That's a really good Absolutely. Point. And, and, you know, the, the, the last thing that I would ask is that um, if we all chip in and just pick up one piece of trash when we're outside, that will make a huge difference. Absolutely. And, man. You know, I was at a trailhead, the mountain bike uh, the other day, and I pulled in and there was quite a bit of stuff. And, you know, I, I have a pickup truck. I had some space for it. And so I just picked it up and tossed it in the truck. And when I left, I felt a little bit better about that spot. Um, you know, we often do river cleanups, many uh, outdoor organizations do trail cleanups, but I think if we all chip in um, and just take one can, one piece of litter, one cigarette, but uh, it'll make a big difference five years down the road, you know. And for yourselves, for your yeah. own mental health, because nobody, you know, you, you want to be part of the solution or you want to be part of the problem or let the problem overwhelm you that it's so big and it's, um, yeah you know, we can get there. And I was born and raised in India and I can just start to see so much of the the litter that you see in third world countries. Sometimes you imagine in our most wildest, beautiful places uh, that it's, you know, it can be overwhelming. So something we do every single time is wherever we're camped, we'll always have a camp cleanup. But even on the hike, I'm now starting to incorporate, make sure I always have a litter bag with me that is reusable and I just pick it up and I'm not going out of the way, but a couple of times bending down and picking something up on your hike, you're out to get a workout anyway. It's really not that gross. Yeah. You're picking up some paper. You don't even need yep. gloves. Most of the times so I understand it's COVID. I'm not 
uh, COVID times and not pr uh, promoting not using gloves. But if you don't have them, you can use something else to pick it up, put it away. And yeah. Wash it later, so. Yeah, absolutely. And that simple act is, you, you know, other, your actions are so powerful, unspoken, right? My kids watching you pick up a piece of trash is going to inspire a question in them, which is, daddy, what is that guy doing? And that offers mm -hmm. me an educational opportunity for my kids. And then they quickly are looking for things like that because they want to do that because we yeah. emphasize that that's valuable to us, that it means yeah. something, that um, it's a way for us to give back. So that's just one of the things, you know, like, you know, to kind of round, round the wagon back up to what you'd asked, you know, that's just one of the things that, you know, I think is important uh, for all of the Southwest, if not anywhere else in the country. You know? Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Corey. We've got, we've got a five-day trip recommendations. You know where to go ski, snowshoe, cross-country ski, take a paddle trip, take a drive, go to hot springs. I can't believe we packed in so much <laughs> adventure yeah. in just a short conversation. We have not even scratched the surface, which is just goes to show how much there is to do in the uh, New Mexico area and just so close to Albuquerque even. And this is just mind blowing. And personally, I'm super excited to come take these trips and experience it and come meet you, do an adventure with you. You're just such a knowledgeable outfitter and so um, connected with wildlife and the environment, which is really uh, incredible to see because you're not just doing this because of the finances that come along with taking people on adventures. You want them to experience the value of outdoors, preserving them. Um, so you can do this for your kids and they could enjoy all the things that you're enjoying, which is where we are um, about, you know, go out there and enjoy it. And when that petition comes up to preserving that area, sign it because you'll understand what that means. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I really want to thank you for your time. I think we'll have another episode where we go deeper into each one of these activities, possibly. And I would love to have you back on the show. Hey there, adventure seekers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Adventure Travel with Trip Outside. If you enjoyed the conversation, please share it with your friends, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to stay up to date on where we travel to next. If you felt inspired to travel, go to tripoutside.com. It's the fastest way to book outdoor adventures all in one place.